Welcome back to Striffin and Chat. My name is Chris. And I'm Max. Another weekend in the books. And a not so memorable one. How's it going, Max? It's going good, man. I mean, honestly, it was kind of a kind of a lackluster game. Pretty uh pretty I'm not disappointing, but uh I guess indifferent. You know, kinda kinda sitting through that, it was just like eh. All right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there were some positives. There weren't. There were some negatives. I, you know, it's. I wasn't too fussed about the result, given that it was just it's a complete lockdown between both sides. Yeah, I mean, let's break it down. Um, let's talk about how we set up for the match. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the the. You know, the most noticeable thing for me anyways was that we, um, again, there's close attention being paid to the midfielder here, but uh, we went again with uh, McTominay and Fred, um, which in my opinion kind of signaled a more of a defensive approach um, to the game. Um, you know, the same midfield we had uh, against PSG. And, you know, like we have more attacking options, right? Like we have Pogba, Van de Beek, they both didn't start. Um, so I think... Going into this game, we were kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, just kind of kind of comfortable, um, you know, being more on the defensive side. And the return of the famous slabhead. Welcome back to him. Can't forget, can't forget about our main man. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about it last episode, but I, I didn't really see Ole, Ole drop in Fred and McTominay after their performances. It's... I, I didn't mind it since James and Mata were were starting. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, though. It, you know, I, I would much rather have Pogba starting in that midfield three instead of McTominay or Fred, right? Yeah. I play the 4-3-3 with Bruno and Pogba. But, you know, I, I've been reading a lot of stories where I, I think the approach is... I mean, a lot of people don't think playing Bruno and Pogba together isn't that viable. And I kind of disagree with it, right? Because I think that would mean Pogba would want to sit back, would have to sit back as uh, as a pivot midfielder with someone else. And whether, whether that be Matic or Fred or McTominay, right? But we'll get to it later. But once Pogba came on, Pogba and Cavani came on, you could see that Bruno was sort of shifted to the right. We were, we were playing some sort of um, diamond, I guess. But we, we can talk about that a bit later. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, like, just, just touching on that, I, like, really quickly. Like, yeah, like, uh, when Bruno kind of went out wide initially with that first substitution, um, and Pogba, for the first time in a long time, I think he was playing in that number 10 role. And, honestly, he seemed kind of kind of out of place. Like, it, it wasn't really working for that um, – initial stretch there um and i think it only got better when we brought on mason greenwood um but yeah i mean we can we can touch on that later um i i, I guess going back to you know the players that we started with uh you mentioned uh dan dan james and uh, juan mata um starting on the wing which was an interesting selection um mason greenwood again starting on the bench um you know the kind of like a a drama, a mini drama series with, uh, 
you know, the English report saying this and then Ollie saying that they're wrong and that there's nothing going on. Um, and, you know, I mean, I would have liked to see, um, you know, Mason start this game. Um, I think he's well rested. I don't think he's injured necessarily. He's been training. Um, and this would have been a great game for him to play. But I do see Ollie's point in starting Dan James and Juan Mata because they played well against Newcastle. They showed promise. And also, I know that he's trying to make a point to rotate the squad because, you know, games are coming in thick and fast with, you know, basically we have two games a week right now, right? Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, people are going to slag Ollie off for that, but it's only because of the result. Had we won, right? No, everyone would be praising Ollie again. You know, I, I would have like to see Mason start, obviously, but hopefully he gets the nod uh, when we play RP Leipzig. But the thing with J- Dan James that I wanted to touch on, I, I think yeah, I can't tell if he's not confident or he's just going through a rough spell, right? But he didn't, he always looks like whenever he makes those runs with the ball, right? He, he just holds on to it for just too long and he always ends up losing it. It's very frustrating to watch. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's really promising, right? Like he, he has lots of, lots of pace, like good on the ball and he's good when he's kind of cutting down um, when he's playing on that left side and then cutting into the middle, um, kind of driving at defenders. But in this game, particularly, I mean, honestly, he was in Reese James pocket. Um, Reese James, by the way, uh, you know, I really rate him. I think he's a fantastic fullback, a uh, really good player. And he just had too much strength and too much pace um, against Dan James. And, uh, you know, he really shut him down that entire game. And Jan- Dan James really, really struggled. And he didn't offer us much that game either. Uh, so, you know, tough game for him. Yeah, Dan looked like a high schooler compared to Reese. Reese is, yeah, I mean, obviously, Reese actually looks like an adult. Yeah, because Dan James, you know, for his lack of physicality, he can get away with it sometimes because of his speed, right? He can kind of outrun players and kind of get by them and so that they don't get the chance to bring him down or give him a nudge or whatever. But uh, Reese, Reese James was matching him for pace. So, uh, yeah, Dan James had, had a nightmare that game. Yeah. I can't really blame Dan. And normally it would be, it would be Marcus starting on the left and with Martial on top. But you know, I, I guess you know, with all these resources and given the context, maybe it wasn't the worst decision in the world. Yeah, I, again, I I don't mind it necessarily because, like I said earlier, um, there's a sense of trying to reward him for his performance against Newcastle, which I thought he was he was really bright, showed lots of promise, and also again, um, kind of you know keep rotating the squad a little bit, um, but you know rotating the squad, but we don't necessarily have that kind of luxury, that kind of depth to rotate the squad in certain positions. So uh, that's, that's going to be challenging down the road. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. He, he had a really tough assignment there. Um, I would have liked to see Mason Greenwood start that game, um, given that he's so well rested right now. Right. So I don't know. Um, but again, yeah, like you said, I don't necessarily mind it either. Um, should we kind of touch on on how Chelsea set up as well? Yeah, so it looked like Chelsea were looking for the long ball in behind our back line, 
Um, there was a moment around the 25th minute that I took a note of. Uh, I believe it was Chilwell uh, over the top to Havertz and then Havertz crossing into Werner. It was sort of what they were going for. I think for the most part, credit to our backline, I think we did a great job silencing Havertz, uh, Pulisic, and Werner. I didn't really see much yeah, from them. No, right? um, complete ghost show for uh, Kai Havertz and uh, Timo Werner. I mean, they really didn't create anything that game. Uh, they were they were just passengers. Um, it, it, it's, it's really interesting for Chelsea to set up a back five there against us. Um, I didn't expect that whatsoever. And you can kind of see that they weren't used to it because of, you know, just the lack of creation that they had. Uh, yeah. I think that they're used to kind of building through through the middle and then finding pockets of space like just outside the box, right? With like Kai, Kai Havertz and, and Pulisic kind of running in and around the middle there. Um, but because they were kind of playing with fullbacks, everything, all their build-up play was going wide, um, mo- more so on the left side with Ben Chilwell. And one thing that Ollie did get right in terms of his tactics was that, I don't know if you noticed, but every time Ben Chilwell or but mostly Ben Chilwell, actually, but Reese James as well. When they had got the ball on the wing, um, you know, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka like, was literally sprinting at Ben Chilwell, trying to get the ball out of his feet um, to try to force them to try and find it through the middle. But again, we had way more of a presence in the midfield than they did because they were playing at back five and they only had essentially, you know, two midfielders playing there. Um, so we, we did a really good job in choking up their building up their buildup play, or at least not giving them what they were used to getting. And so I think that's why we didn't see a lot of Havertz or, or Timo because the, the service wasn't there. They weren't generating any chances going forward. Uh, so I, I think we did a good job on that front. It really looked like Frank wanted to play it safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they were, I think they were totally content going for the draw and it, it showed. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you there. It's something was the final product was totally missing there, right? That last bit of uh, play in the final third. It, it just, I think normally, you know, when I watch Chelsea matches, from what I've seen from them this year, right? I think Havertz or Pulisic or even Ziyech, when they come in, it's like they offer that creativity and that little extra something, right? But, hey, at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at Maguire, Lindelof, Basaka, man, what a performance. Like, I think, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the VAR (laughs) incident later. Yeah, I guess we have to, eh? (laughs) We have to bring it up. Any Chelsea fan, like, listening, you know, I mean, it'd be kind of sad if a Chelsea fan was listening to uh, a, a United podcast, but... Uh, yeah, uh, it would be a tragedy if we didn't if we didn't talk about it. To be honest, it was it was it was a big point in the game. But again, like if but, you know. if you think about chances created by Chelsea this game, I mean, what comes to your mind? Like for me, I think there was one when I think McGuire got a, deflected a little bit. But it was a cross in from I forgot who it was. Was it James? And then Havertz and yeah, okay, exactly. Havertz was there same. And- yeah. yeah, that's the same chance that I think of. And I think that was the only chance they had. And it wasn't even a, a shot on goal necessarily. Like Chelsea did not create anything this game, I feel like. they, Besides that one really good ball in from Reese James, which kind of caught 
Maguire and Lindelof off guard, and it almost made its way to Havertz and then Pulisic. But other than that, man, they just did not generate anything that game. And I feel like we did create some chances, some clear chances, and we definitely edged it in that sense. So if we would have come away, come away with a win that game, I would have said, you know, it was, it was deserved. Can I, I we have to give a quick shout out to Victor Lindelof. Like, man, he, I think he, that was his best performance of the season so far. I, I think he was pretty calm, well collected. He even had that little nice one, one, two, um, at the, yeah. near, at the end of the game. Yeah. I was surprised, but yeah, I, I think he was just right. He was in the right place at the right time. Maguire, Everything is painting off his massive forehead. And if it crossed, that he was just there. And listen, Aaron Wambasaka, I'm telling you, he's playing out of his mind. Absolutely, I, yeah. He's, everything he tackles is just so clean. And it, you know, those scissor like tackles, I don't know how he does it, but it the works. Spider Man. Listen, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is the best tackling defender. In the you know like there's levels to it and he's he's the best tackling defender in the league right now. Uh, I don't think anybody oh, yeah. does it like he does. Um, you know everyone obviously says oh well going forward he's he's no Trent Alexander Arnold or, or or Robinson or whatever. But man, he is a brilliant defender. Um, so yeah, he he had an amazing game. And your your point to to Lindelof, I think I think what he did really well this game was um, his distribution. I think he was really calm on the ball, and I think he found. You know, and he gave us that calming presence in the back, and he and he did find a couple passes forward that um, that really helped us get get us going. And yeah, towards the end, I mean, he was he was pushing with his with his runs in the box, which was which was sort of fun to see. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely credit to our back line for absolutely shutting down um, Chelsea, and I guess credit to the midfield in a sense as well, because I mean, I can barely remember who their mid- it was Conte and. Uh, uh, Jorginho and you know they didn't even touch the ball that much I, f- I feel like right so yeah Fred and McTominay they did their job you know, Fred's breaking up passes McTominay's being the enfor- I think McTominay played very well actually yeah yeah. Uh, he had a couple of good challenges I think one on Pulisic it looked like he caught Pulisic but if you watch the replay he actually got all ball absolutely and man I, I think yeah, Scott. I hope he improves more and more. If he if his passing is a bit better, then man, he, he's a real threat and he's a worthy member of the starting eleven. Yeah, sure. absolutely. And I mean, I think I think Bruno again was still our best player this game. Um, I think I think if yeah. we were, especially in the first 60, 70 minutes, if we were generating anything, it was through him. Everything was going through him. Any positive play that you know, and we ended up attacking Chelsea. It was through Bruno. So again, a fantastic game on his end. Um, again, I, it's hard for him to do much with uh, with uh, with McTominay and Fred because yes, like they're great defensively and and all that. But uh, yeah, going forward, there's something left there to be desired. Um, but you know, that's that's fine. We have those players, but they're just on the bench. Uh, so, <laughs> but when the, and when they did come on, I feel like you know, towards the last 10, 15 minutes, I think we're really, really pressuring Chelsea. And I feel like if we would have done that for a bit longer, we might've gotten a breakthrough, but I will say this, I will give credit to uh, Chelsea's goalkeeper, um, Mendy. I think he had a man of the match performance on, from their perspective. He had a couple of really good saves on Rashford, most notably uh, our chance on the break in the first half. 
um, when he was when Mashford was kind of through on goal, and then Mendy kind of kicked it out with his right foot. That was a really fantastic save. And then towards the end of the game as well, when he had a when he had a diving save, albeit comfortable, but still a good save because uh, it was a shot through traffic. So shout out to Mendy for for his performance. Chelsea finally maybe found a decent keeper. Yeah, I think to myself, Kepa would have let that in. Yeah, in both chances. Yeah, yeah, Kepa. Oh my god. Like, I'm not saying this to to be mean, but I, I think genuinely, even Chelsea supporters would would agree. Oh, with it's me. no secret. Would, yeah, they they would, he, especially for the last save. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's no secret. Uh, Kepa is not very well regarded at the club, and you know, seven years. I know, crazy, seven right? And like Lampard yeah. can, you know, he can try to save face all he wants on press conferences because obviously he's not going to trash his own player. That's, that's pretty bad form. So, you know, he's going to say, Oh, there's no, there's no problem with him, And, you know, he's training well and, you know, we believe in him, but <laughs> they went out and bought another keeper. That just shows how much they don't believe in him. You know, they signed him to a seven year contract and they go out and get another keeper. I mean, that's, that speaks volumes. Normally I don't like, dragging on a player's name but I, i've never really liked keppa <laughs> when i since i saw him not listen to sorry's instructions to, uh, to get subbed off at the league cup final a couple years ago yeah yeah that was an interesting yeah moment. It, that was i mean that's disrespectful but I, yeah, again yeah. like we don't really know what goes on with within a team and what was said and what wasn't right yeah but at the end you you can't you can't disobey your your manager's instructions if he wants you subbed off because it looked like he was injured right i don't i don't see why yeah because i think i think that was looks bad. i think that was the explanation right like that he thought he was being subbed off because the coaching staff thought that he was injured and he wanted to tell them that he wasn't injured and that he could play on so like i think from his point of view the only reason that they were subbing him off was because he was injured and he was saying oh no i'm not injured don't like don't sub me off um, but you know, it, it, like who knows at that point. Right. And you know, that's, that's, that's something in the past. Um, more recently, Kepa has had some really, really shaky performances. I think his confidence is at an all time low and being, being a keeper in the Premier League confidence is, is huge, uh, as a keeper. So, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Maguire incident. Maguire and oh, boy. I'm gonna say straight up that should have been a pen. I'm so shocked it wasn't even looked at. Yeah, I think that's more of an issue with referees, and I think, yeah, I mean it's it was clear cut. He McGuire was handling Cesar Espelicueta as if he were a Greek police officer. Oh boy, you were you were waiting to say that one. Eh? You you had that one typed up in front of you. You were you were waiting <laughs> to let that one go. Yeah, yeah. Low low hanging fruit, man. Low hanging fruit. It's just, I I was I mean I was watching the replay during the match and I'm just I was kind of surprised because if that I mean a lot of people would say oh, if if it were the other way around right United would have obviously would they would have been rewarded with a penalty right and to be fair we do get a lot of penalty calls lately VAR. we almost had one yesterday. Yeah. I mean, every game, well, every game, we get a good penalty shout. That definitely wasn't. A, I'm so I'm I'm pretty glad that the Rashford um, penalty was. I mean, the penalty incident wasn't actually right. called one. Yeah, 
I think that was, I mean, yeah. let's stick on the Maguire Aspilicueta yeah. for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what surprised me uh, was not so much that it wasn't given initially because the ref, I think the ref's view was very obscured. I think from his point of view, he was looking at Maguire's back, so he couldn't necessarily see Aspilicueta being essentially choked out. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that the ref didn't call it. I don't think he saw it. But I'm what I'm surprised is what I'm surprised about is that the VAR team didn't even tell the ref to to go see it for himself, right? I mean, there's there's a screen there on the pitch, and obviously the VAR team looked at it, and they said to the ref, "Don't bother, you know, nothing to look at there," which is interesting, um, because I mean, yeah, that's a that's a penalty. And I mean, that's just such a stupid mistake from Maguire. And if he would have been called for that, we might've been, you know, sitting here talking about how Maguire messed it all up for us. And, you know, um, the, pre- the English press would have, would have been on him again and it would have been all, all gloomy. Um, but I like, why, why does he feel the need to wrap his arms around his neck? Cesar Aspilicueta, the, the probably the, one of the besides Christian Pulisic, the smallest player on Chelsea's team. Why? Why is he even marking him? Why is he even marking the smallest player on Chelsea's team? I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. So really. I mean, that was that was crazy. Uh, thank God we got away with that. Um, but again, I think I think it's funny because I think a lot of Chelsea fans are are clinging to that as if that was like it was their right, you know, there to. To, to score and be and be one nil up, but I think that just speaks to the fact that they really didn't create anything. They didn't create any chances, and their only real chance of a goal was that penalty, which I felt like wasn't really earned from their from their part. I guess that's more of like that would have been the difference. Oh, and I would have right? been extremely angry if they would have won from from that because I think it would have been extremely undeserved, to be honest. Yeah, we can't hide the fact that we do get pretty lucky with these VAR decisions. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah. I mean, also, this isn't the first time that Maguire has been lucky with VAR with yeah, against Chelsea. Do you remember last year when he, he I think he sacked, <laughs> who was it? I think it I was uh, Missy Batshuayi. Yeah. yeah. And he... I don't know how he wasn't sent off for that. And then he ended up, <laughs> gave him a good kick to the groin and uh yeah 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 man i mean okay look i'm not going to argue that we that we don't get lucky with vars i think we've had the benefit of them uh especially last season coming back from lockdown i think a lot of calls went our way um which i won't complain about um right. but again to my point i mean i feel like you know and even if even if we had won that game um and they called the penalty against Thiago Silva on Rashford, I felt like that wouldn't have necessarily been deserved in a sense. But and maybe this is just me being biased, but I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it would have been uh, it would have been unjust for Chelsea to win on on that penalty. I don't think they created any any chances. So for them to win on a penalty like that would have been a bit sad for me. Right. Oh, yeah. It's let's talk about how we played offensively. So we had a few chances, right? 
uh, I can think of the two Rashford chances. What else did we have? Because it, it was, I mean, was like again, relatively yeah, we game. didn't necessarily have clear cut chances. Like uh, our best chances were the two Rashford shots, but you know there was like I think uh, I think Mata had a had a decent shot. Oh right, but right. you know they weren't clear cut chances whatsoever. So again, it goes back to the point where both teams just kind of said, okay, we're both defending this game. I think both teams, um, I think a, a way to sum it up is that both teams didn't want to lose more than they wanted to win, if that makes sense. I don't think the weather helped either. It was just pouring rain. I think that made the players extra cautious. Yeah, right? maybe a little bit more sloppy, um, maybe a bit more heavy also when you're running, you know. But I think, I think we were well-conditioned for it, given that that's the kind of conditions we were playing Paris. We were playing Paris in, right? So I think, I think when I saw that, that rain, I was like, okay, this, this is probably good for us. We're kind of we're ready for this. Different context too, right? I think we would have been okay. I mean, it would have been expected for us to lose at Parc des Princes. But you don't want to lose to Chelsea off uh, of a mistake at home as well. Yeah, I mean, like our again, you know, keeping things in context with our with our home form right now, not the best, right? I mean, I think we're still winless this season at home, which is concerning. Um, so I guess, yeah, we just we wanted to get something out of this game. I think to lose three games at home in a row would have been pretty sad. Um, but yeah, man, we're in we're in fifteenth place right now. Uh, but again, it's it's, it's, it's early days. I'm yeah, it's it's early days. But you know, two wins, one draw, two losses is not the best start in the world. I've seen better, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's not the worst either. <laughs> Apart from Liverpool, all the other top six teams are below eighth place. I believe I read that today. Interesting. Yes, yeah, Arsenal did lose today. City, City lost. I'm sorry, Drew. Yeah. They drew against West Ham, right? Listen, I, I it it still goes back to the point. Had we signed someone like Sancho, right, we'd be up there. This is this should have been a great opportunity for us to make a huge leap, right? Especially with Liverpool losing Van Dijk for the rest of the year, it's. It, the Premier League is crazy this year. And Everton lost today as well, so they can't build on their perfect start. Yeah, but Everton's Everton's still top of the league. I mean, we we play them, I think, in two weeks or something like that, right? I think after Arsenal, we play them in two weeks, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we have... Man, this is such a tough stretch for us, right? I mean, playing Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League, followed by Chelsea, followed by RB Leipzig, followed by Arsenal, followed by another Champions League game, followed by Everton. I mean, what a what a challenging stretch. So in a stretch like this, it would have been nice to have a lot of depth in the team, right? Which is something that we don't necessarily have. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we do, but not in the right yeah, positions. Yeah, not in the right positions. But then also in some of, the, some of the positions we do have depth, it's not quality depth. You know what I mean? So it's not necessarily the players we want. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be like, we're, we're in the midst of, I guess should be our toughest stretch, right. In the earliest part of the season. Um, 
which is kind of good too, because it because it sets us up, you know, it gets us prepared, I guess. Um, and this is kind of like our preseason, I guess, if you could count having a preseason. Um, but where points are on the line, so a little bit more uh, at stake. If you told me that we would, I think if we were to obtain four points out of six against Chelsea and PSG, I, I would have been pretty happy. I'm not okay, yeah. Lie. If you if you look at it yeah. like like that from two games against Chelsea and PSG, but they're tough yeah, matches. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, sure. I guess so, if, if you look at those two games by themselves, so yeah, of course, of course, I would take that. Um, but I guess I, you yeah. know, again, kind of zooming out of that and looking at our at our league league results so far, you know, those those two performances against even those three performances, we got so lucky against Brighton, should have lost that game. Um, uh, we beat or we lost to Crystal Palace hand handedly, and then getting embarrassed by Tottenham. It was, it was just a rough start, but I think we're we're yeah. getting our feet back here slowly. Um, so I hope that we continue that positive trend. I am afraid of RB Leipzig. I think they'll be our toughest Great matchup team. so yeah. far. But Great I am team. not. I am not afraid of Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. So uh, RB Leipzig, they're actually first in the Bundesliga right now. Um, I think there's like f- yeah. they're four four one and one or something like that. And they did beat the Turkish yeah. side two nothing from goals uh, from their uh, colorful left back and. And, and Felino, I think. I think the G is silent, actually. Um, but, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, oh. the Manchester City uh, left back uh, two goals, and he could have even had a hat trick. I, I just watched the highlights just now, actually, just to kind of brush up on him. Um, so, but yeah, that's going to be a super challenging game, and I'm curious to see what kind of team uh, Ole puts out there uh, if he goes again for sort of defensive midfield, and we kind of just submit, or if he goes more attacking and we kind of try to control the midfield control the game and just put pressure on them from the start like we haven't done that right lately i mean against psg and chelsea we kind of been submissive and i want to see us really go after a team uh and attack them so we'll see man we'll see if if van de Beek doesn't get at least 45 minutes Against Leipzig, he just needs to sniff the pitch. But then he... just, just sniff it. Just something. Just give me something. <laughs> I, I, I just wish that Teas will be starting as well, because we need to talk about Luke Shaw. I think. Uh, well, we can talk about maybe lineup predictions about Leipzig, but we can start with there around whether Luke should be starting over Teas, or do we, put, do we play five at the back? Right. Luke, to me. Um, there was that one moment. Do you remember when Bruno was asking Luke to uh, yeah. an overlapping run? And yeah. Like, well, I nah, mean, I didn't make too much of that. I'm but... Yeah, I, I didn't. You know, I understand yeah. why he didn't do it, but I, I think there were like two defenders on Bruno, and I, I don't really see where Luke could have gone. But I think Bruno was a little, little miffed, so he passed it to. Someone else, I think, was it a center back to Maguire or someone yeah. in the field? But I think that was a funny instance. But you know, had we had we had someone like Teas to whip a ball in, right? When Cavani's there, right? Pogba's there, Bachamani's there. Man, we could have we could have had three I points mean, here in the in corners, maybe. But it's like, listen, like we're not exactly a team that's that's trying to cross the ball in and have players get on the end of it. I think when Cavani wasn't 
uh, on the field. And I guess we should touch on Cavani's debut just a little bit, but before Cavani being on the pitch, like, I mean, even against PSG, like when Tejas was on the ball on the left and he was kind of looking across it in, I mean, we'd only have like what one person in the box and, and, and it was, it was Marshall, you know, we're, we're, we're not that team right now that, that looks to get players in the box to get on the end, end of a cross. I mean, I'm, we, I'm saying we could be if we play Tejas more often. But I, I think like if we have height, we have yeah, height. but I like Pogba and McTominay don't make those runs in the box. Yeah, but I'm talking about we're in the 80th minute. We're clearly have we're dominating possession, right? Everyone's in the box. If you have someone like Tejas, it makes a huge. Difference. I guess so, yeah. But like even then, like at that point, even your like center backs are kind of running in there, right? Kind of just try to dump it in, hope for the best. You're telling me that Tejas can't find. That massive target that is Harry Maguire's forehead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 an interesting prospect, but um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I feel like Oli's not going to be playing Tejas a whole lot. To be honest with you, I think he should be. I think he's going to be riding the bench, man. I mean, he didn't even make the squad against Chelsea, so maybe he'll get the start in the Champions League, which I could totally see. Maybe that's that that sounds. Too logical to me. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he maybe he wants to give uh, Shaw some rest, but I don't know. I think, uh, and this is just me trying to trying to get into Oli's mind a little bit here. But I think I think Oli's really really worried when he puts in a more of an attacking minded player on the pitch, right? And he likes to compensate for them because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose that solid like defensive mentality because when he puts in um, Juan Mata and Dan James, who can't really defend at all and who won't necessarily track back, you know, he puts McTominay and Fred to cover for them. So I think if he puts in and when, and when he put in Tejas um, in the five back, it was because it was a five back, right? He could, he could afford that. So can he afford to put Tejas um, at a four back and then lose out on some of that? defensive ability that Luke Shaw brings to the table. Can you afford that with our, with our center backs you know, tracking back and trying to cover more? I don't know that, that that's a question he has to ask himself. Right. But my question is, right. You know, you know I, I realized that Matt Titch hasn't been playing mm-hmm. as much either. Right? We've proven that the Bruno Pogba and Matt Titch trio in the midfield can work proven to work and i wonder because matic provides such a calming presence right and really we really haven't seen him that much this year and i don't know whether if you trust fred more now or mctominay right or maybe he doesn't want pogba to play so deep he'd rather have him as an impact sub right but we can't i paul should not be a sub yeah you need to play. Put your best players on the pitch at all. Uh, I mean, at all times. It's really interesting because always, you know, the first couple of games he started out with, you know, Pogba was starting, and at the beginning of the season when he was starting, the argument was made that he wasn't necessarily ready. Right? He only had maybe a couple of training sessions, and he was just recovering from COVID, so he wasn't necessarily ready. Yet, Oli still played him 
you know, so that showed his confidence in his ability, just, just Pogba's sheer ability, not necessarily being completely match fit, but just having that, that talent, that ability on the pitch made us a better team. But we had those bad performances. We were sluggish. So he takes him out of the squad and opts for players that had maybe more training, more sessions in, and that were more ready to go. Hence McTominay, Fred starting in the midfield. Um, so I think it's a mixture that he's trying to ease Pogba back into the lineup. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's, again, it's hard to put yourself in, in all these shoes here and try to understand where he's coming from. But I think it's, it's inevitable that Pogba is going to be in the starting 11. I think you just can't keep bringing this guy on, on the bench. I mean, granted, the last two games we played were teams that you could argue are more talented than us, have better players. So that's why we're kind of more defensive and Pogba doesn't necessarily need to, to play, need to start, right? And he kind of just wants to bring him on in the 60th minute, 65th minute, because we're still in the game. And then maybe he feels like we can we can sneak a goal in, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he will start um, when we kind of play maybe lesser opposition, or as he gets more fitness. Let's talk about predictions for the lineup against RB Leipzig. I think we'll go for a fourth back. I, I assume that Harry is okay to go. So we'll we'll see Harry and Lindelof, or maybe instead of Lindelof, we might have Twanzebe play. Yeah, I, w- I would be interested in that, that pairing to be honest, because uh, Twanzebe could maybe yeah. make up for for Maguire's lack of pace. Um, however, what Twanzebe yeah. does not bring is, uh, I guess, more of that calming presence in terms of ball distribution. I think L- L- Lindelof does that really, right. really well. So, and Maguire is not necessarily the best. Ball distributor. He's not that bad, but you got to admit when he, yeah. when he gets on the ball, sometimes you know the ball kind of bounces off his his feet a little bit. It's not necessarily the most calming thing in the world. And uh, yeah, he does have some good like long balls here and there, like a good good switch of play sometimes. But again, I think really? I think Lindelof um, has more of those really good. Um, kind of balls like through the middle like he kind of sees those those pockets of space a little bit better through the middle Um, and that's really valuable right I think that's that's like for example like that's something Pep Guardiola loves when his center backs can can find those pockets of space more in the middle of the pitch and break teams down from from the set from the center back position Um, but yeah all all that to say Tunzebi Maguire center back pairing would be interesting because Tunzebi could make up for the lack of pace for Maguire but we lose that kind of calmness on the ball a little bit. Yeah. I think it'll be one oh, yeah. obviously, Guaranteed. on the right. Maybe we'll see. I, th- I think we'll see Taya start as a left back. We'll see how that goes. I, I, I think that's, that's why Ole didn't even include him in the match squad either. I think he'll be playing. I yeah, think he'll he, be starting. He might give Luke Shaw a break. Uh, yeah. In the midfield... I, I gotta think that Pogba is starting, and Bruno. I you can't drop Bruno, right? So either to finish that third midfielder, it would have to be either Matic, McTominay, mm-hmm. or Fred. I'm gonna guess it's it would be Fred or McTominay. 
I'm leaning yeah, towards Yeah, it's going to be interesting Fred, to see who, who he rotates out because uh, I think you're right. I think he will rotate yeah. either Fred or McTominay out for fitness, but not both. But not and both then of them. front three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martial Front top. three, Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood. I don't think Cavani is fit enough to start. That's my... I don't, those, I don't think that's my Greenwood prediction. starts. I don't. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think, don't think there's so. got to be some issue there that um, either he's not fully fit, but I don't think he starts. I don't think he starts against uh, RB Leipzig. Um, I think it's going to be either Dan James or or Mata, or maybe maybe he gets a little funky and throws and throws Van de Beek there, and then and then they kind of he kind of interchanges with with Bruno a little bit, you know. Yes, yeah. Okay, midfield like diamond that. said. I mean, because Van de Beek's ready to go. I mean, yeah. this guy hasn't played. He didn't play a minute in that game, and it's kind of kind of a meme right now, right? I mean, you see you see all the memes like in the mentions of uh, a lonely Van de Beek sitting on the bench, just kind of looking at the game, looking looking lost, right? Which is kind of sad. I, I'm not worried. Like Fabinho had the same treatment. Naby Keita also had the same treatment. It's about easing him in. Maybe Van de Beek is well-suited for the European games. And his time will come. I mean, people forget. We, we, we're playing almost 50 to 60 matches Yeah, a that's year, true. Right? It, it's time come. Christmas time, 100%. He has to. Otherwise, our, our, our players will... Die from exhaustion. I mean, yeah, that that, that's true that he will right. get his his minutes here and there, but it's alarming that he's literally just not getting minutes at all right now. And it's it's the first uh, six six games of the season, and he's gone maybe a total of 40, 40 minutes. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. But let's think about the context, though. So in the Chelsea match, right? Pogba and Cavani came on for Dan James and who was it? Uh, do you remember um, who it was? When Pogba and Cavani came on? Yeah, I yeah. think they... Uh, honestly, I, I forget. I can, I'm kind of blanking out right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll join hey, research next time. <laughs> this is a couple, but this is a yeah, I mean, this is a day after, so you gotta forgive us here. But and, and then and then Mason Greenwood came on mm-hmm. for Juan, I believe. But where I mean, where where does Donny make that? I mean, I think you know, I th- I, th- I think I think he beats out Fred. To be honest, I mean, I just I want to see us. I, I don't see. Fred. As much as we like to clown him, I think he just he does his job so well. I know, but I like I know you're looking at Fred and you're thinking like, okay, he he does his job really well. But I also think that you need to look at what Van de Beek gives us, right? Um, and and it's that, like I said before, it's that attacking play, it's that finding pockets of space in the final third. I think going forward, he offers us a lot. He he gives us a lot of energy as well, but I mean, again, I I can understand why he didn't play uh, against Chelsea because we weren't necessarily trying to win the game um, with with the starting lineup that Ollie put out. It was more of like a just sit back and see what happens. And even with PSG, same thing. We weren't trying to win the game. 
uh, we were just trying to survive. But I just hope that with teams that are kind of more there for the taking and um, that need to be broken down, I think Van de Beek offers us more more of that because his link-up play in and around the box is really, really fantastic. He's a really sharp player, and I think I think Oli needs to see that against teams that we can easily beat. That's my opinion. I guess we just have to be patient. Everyone, including us, has a lot of opinions, you know, of who we want to see. But maybe, yeah. I mean, as as you were as you said earlier, if you try to tap into all his mind, maybe he is extra cautious, right? Doesn't want to experiment too liberal. Yeah, who knows, man? Honestly, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Match match predictions uh, against uh, Leipzig. Final score. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I'm gonna say a one-one no, draw. Honestly, I'm gonna say one-nil, one-nil for us. Uh, I think another draw at Old Trafford would kind of, kind of start start ringing the alarm bells a little bit. Um, it's really poor home form, so. I think uh, I think we I think we need to see this as yeah. as a really big opportunity as well to kind of win our first two games in the in the group stage it gives us a really good position. Um, so I think this is a really really big opportunity for us. I I hope I hope to God we can we can squeeze a good result out of this. Yeah, I think yeah. Once if we do get the three points against RB Leipzig, right? Wow, I mean that just leaves. PSG and RB Leipzig to do cut out for themselves as well. So, to be honest, again, I, I, I'm not. I think if we do end up losing against against RB Leipzig, I, I, I I'm not, I'm not too fussed. I'd rather beat Arsenal. Like, I, yeah. I care more about that. Yeah, okay. that's gonna be that's gonna I be an interesting game. Um, that's that's gonna be definitely a more interesting game. And the only man that I'm afraid of. From Arsenal is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and actually no, Gunnarsaurus. You know, you you know who you should be worried about though more so. And I I watched a little bit of, of their game. Is um is there that that young English lad? Is it uh, what's his uh, Sacco? Saka, so yeah, Saka. Oh, Bruno yeah, he's Saka. he's he's yeah. really good. He's he's a live wire. Um, he Man, plays he's, on the left, right? I think in against Leicester, I think he was on the right. He he runs. He I think it's clear that Arteta kind of gave him the free reins a little bit to kind of run everywhere because he is creating everything for Arsenal. Man, he is a really dangerous player. Um, he's grown a lot um, from just last year, where he was kind of breaking into the squad and then putting in some good shifts, and he, he seemed like a good player. But he's a like this season, he's been a really really good player. So I think him and Obama Yang, to be fair. So it'd be Obama Yang on it's up top, like Zet, up top, top and I think Obama, Obama Yang, Yang likes to, likes to likes to be left wing on the right. <laughs> easy, right? <laughs> no one can get no one can get by that guy. Easy, yeah, easy. Don't even have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the Champions League matchup. Yeah, I it's Wednesday. No, it's right? it's Wednesday. It's a Tuesday. Yeah, well, until then, let's uh, 
let's keep this momentum I mean, yeah. going. You Hopefully, know. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's exciting when we're kind of playing these really, really, really top teams. It's an exciting stretch of games, but it's also it's also worrying because we you know we need to get results. So uh, we'll see, man. Again, um, like you said, four points out of six against PSG and Chelsea is good. It's it's really good, um, but like you said, we got to keep going. We got to. I just hope that this is a positive trend and not a negative trend. I hope that we don't dip in performance because um, I feel like it kind of it could go either way right now. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. All right, Wednesday, RB Leipzig, Champions League group stage, 4 p.m. Eastern. See you, we'll then. See you on Thursday. Cheers, everyone.